<clears throat> you guys can go ahead and turn there in your notes, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And listen, indeed, this is a glorious, glorious, glorious chapter. Really, it is. It's, it's just something that God brings assurance as well as direction, uh, great instruction on how God wants us to be walking in the Spirit and great instruction helping us to walk in the Spirit. There's some real keys in being in that place of being governed by the Word of God. And this morning we are going to, you know, begin to dive into these things and develop them and so forth and continue to build on the things we've already seen in the book of Romans. And last week we just saw, again, a, just a, a, an incredible passage where Paul is just being incredibly truthful and vulnerable and honest, talking about the daily wrestling match that he had going on in his life between the flesh human nature that is prone to sin, that flesh nature that is even stirred up by the law to want to sin, and then the spirit man, you know, being a new creation in Christ and that desire in the Lord to want to serve God. And him really speaking about how at times you know, his flesh would prevail and he would do the very thing that he hates. And it's really true for all of us. We're in this war. We're in this, you know, at battle until that day we go to be with the Lord. And Paul, in the midst of all of it, you know, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the vulnerability, in the midst of the honesty, just really coming again to that conclusion. There's times I do the very thing that I hate, not what I want to practice, I don't do. And remember, that which he wanted to practice was that, perfect holiness in the lord jesus christ practically and he said i fall short of it and then he cries out in this desperation you know wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death and praise god praise god there's an answer praise god that the chapter didn't end there that the epistle doesn't end there and yet he thanks god that through jesus christ we have that deliverance through jesus christ we have salvation through jesus christ we have hope and now we come here to chapter 8, and you know what, Paul, after proclaiming that truth as the Spirit of God moved on him, he goes from, again, this despair of this battle that he is in to rejoicing in the deliverance of Christ and then to this glorious proclamation that there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And listen, those are some of the most glorious words in Scripture. I'll ask you right off the bat this morning, are you in? Christ Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Can you say amen to that today? Well, listen, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's not a small matter. Listen, that's a big deal. We're talking about our eternity. Condemnation, it means to be damned to hell. Yet in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. There is no damnation. But there is justification. There is salvation. There is righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that this morning. We'll talk in more detail about what condemnation is and how to get in Christ to get out of condemnation. We're also going to talk about how to fight those condemning voices because all of us as Christians, as Christians have had those times when, you know, the enemy of our soul comes along and starts to saying, you're condemned, you're condemned. Or our flesh will even lie to us and say, you're condemned, you're condemned. And this is where we want to stand in the truth of God. No, I'm not condemned, not because of me, but because of him, because I'm in him, because he is my Lord and God and my king. We're also going to talk about the difference between condemnation 
and conviction. Sometimes people confuse the two of those things. And they're not to be confused. Listen, conviction of the Spirit, conviction of the Word, is part of we get part of what we get with the grace of God. And that's a good thing, a glorious thing, to help us practically in our walk with the Lord. As we'll see this morning, that again in Christ, there's no condemnation for those in Christ who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Because indeed in Christ, we're called now to live our lives unto God the Father, just as Christ lives the life He lives unto God the Father. And so we'll talk about that as well this morning. This call to walk in the Spirit. And incredibly, we get great insights that help us in this. As Paul takes us to just our mind, our thought process, that the mind set on the things of the flesh, the thing of the world, the mind that thinks like those in the world think is going to be a life that produces the works of the flesh. But the mindset on the things of God, the mind that's seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness as a life that's going to bring forth the fruits of the spirit of God It's very practical, very instructional for us. You know, I pray that it just makes a great impact on us this morning as we look at these first eight verses here in Romans chapter eight. So let's read our text together and then, you know what, dive into this and just pray we leave here built up in the Lord Jesus this morning. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law, the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, He condemns sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be so then those are in the flesh cannot please god so again verse one he begins speaking of this condemnation and the fact that in christ jesus we are no longer in condemnation but now we are in christ jesus look at the scripture makes it very clear that this world is condemned that before we came to christ we were under condemnation condemnation it means to be judged and it means to be damned it means to be judged and to be found guilty it's that place of being under the wrath of god because of the sin of man and paul has gone into great details in this epistle to talk about this state that we were in before christ this state that the world is in the state that everyone outside of christ is in outside of the Lord Jesus himself. Paul's shown us where this started. Back there in Romans chapter 5, verse 18, as he talked about how through one man's sin came and through one man's salvation comes. The one that sin came through is Adam. The one that salvation comes through is Jesus Christ. Paul talks about and gives us again insights and reminder that this condemnation began back there in the garden 
when man ate of that tree and said, I'll be my own God. I'll do my own thing. I'll go my own way. Romans 5.18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Notice here, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. And this is where oftentimes people say, wait a minute, that was Adam. I wasn't there, but we were there in a sense that we were in Adam at that time. Adam is our father practically and, you know, in the earthly sense. And when Adam ate of that tree, we know that he brought condemnation on all of mankind. We know that sin entered in. And listen, we got confirmation that indeed we are descendants of Adam very simply in that Romans 3.23 says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So we can almost say that just as we were in Adam, Adam is in us. We're a bunch of sinners. We transgress God's law. We know that God's not bringing that rebellion into glory, but absolutely that that rebellion will never enter in. And again, as a result of our rebellion, death set in. Death meaning separation. Death meaning in physical death that set into mankind as well as that spiritual death, that separation between God and man there in the garden. Really, death, it's the same as that condemnation, that wrath. It's where we were before the Lord. But praise God there in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but, but, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that not good news this morning? That yes, we're in sin But God has brought the substitution. God has brought the sacrifice for our sin that now we can enter into forgiveness and salvation and righteousness. We can be justified, justified and reconciled and go to the place where the condemnation is no longer there because now we are in Christ Jesus. There in John 3, 36, it says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. But he who does not believe the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So again, believing brings salvation, not believing and shunning. It brings the wrath, the condemnation. It brings that damnation. And listen this morning, it's no small matter. This isn't a little thing that we're talking about. Look, at this is glorious truth that in Christ that we are freed from this condemnation that should cause us to celebrate, to rejoice at every single turn. The choir, they sung that, that hymn about counting our blessings. Do you listen to those lyrics? Let's be found a people counting our blessings. And you're like, well, I'm not sure where to start. How about there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? That's a glorious, glorious blessing. Because I'll tell you, those that shun them, that wrath that abides on them, it's, it's not going to be a short-lived wrath but we read that those that die in their sin they're going to be under that wrath for all of eternity oh lord wake us up to that truth can we say amen to that this morning i think we're short-sighted of it i want to know more of heaven i want to know more of the reality of the torment of hell so that it would stir my heart to be bold for the lord jesus christ it would stir my heart to celebrate the salvation that i have in the lord jesus christ that it would stir my heart to celebrate my Lord and Savior that has made that way of salvation. Look in the book of Romans there on our study on Wednesday nights. We've come to this, this part of the book in Revelation where things are about to get wrapped up 
on earth. And God's pouring out wrath on earth during that time. But I'll tell you, compared to the eternal wrath that we read about just in that book alone, really the wrath here is very small compared to that wrath, that condemnation that those who reject Christ will be under forever and ever and ever. And Romans 14, I mean, excuse me, Revelation 14, listen to this description. And he's talking about those who take the mark on the right hand or the forehead and what awaits them. But listen, this isn't just limited to those individuals. That's what's described here. But this is a a, a detailed description of all of those whose names aren't written in the Lamb's book of life, of those who choose to continue in their own way and their sin, that continue to walk under that condemnation. This is an angel that will fly through the heavenlies and make declaration to men in hopes that they would turn to Christ and hopes they would count You know what? The cost of taking that mark versus coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. There in Revelation 14, 9, he says, A third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, notice what it says here, He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. And there's the smoke of their torment ascends, notice here, forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image who receive the mark of his name. And you think of that and look at it, it should stir our hearts, it should grieve our hearts. It's bad news indeed. This is the fruit of our sin But at the same time, we should rejoice because in Jesus Christ, we're no longer under that condemnation. We're no longer under that wrath. Again, Paul talking about his struggle with sin, the flesh nature that would wrestle with his spirit. He cries out, you know, who's going to set me free from this? It's really Paul even acknowledging, I am a sinner. I am a wretched man. I am, as we learned last week, he was saying, I am a deplorable. And he cries out. And again, praise God, there is an answer. Oh, wretched man that I am. So again, a man that's under wrath, a man under condemnation, a man whose flesh nature is a sinful nature. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this is where he now gloriously declares. And now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Paul looking at himself and saying, I'm a wretch. I'm a deplorable. I'm a miserable man in a miserable state, in a miserable condition. Where can I turn? There's only one place to turn, and that's to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Christ Jesus, we have the assurance and the confidence that we're no longer under condemnation. Now listen, if you're not in Christ Jesus, I hope, I hope, I hope that you're answering, how do I get in Christ Jesus? I need to get in Christ Jesus. Or maybe you're in this place this morning where you're like, yeah, I believe I know the Lord, but I am, am I really in Christ Jesus? How do I have the assurance that I'm in Christ Jesus, that I'm in the ark, so to speak, that I'm in that place of salvation, that I'm in that place of deliverance? Well, listen, it's quite simple that we get into Christ Jesus through believing in and having faith 
in Christ Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior. So it involves trusting in the Lord, believing in the Lord. It also involves, though, turning for wherever our faith is and now to save us, turning from our sin, turning from our own way, and turning to Jesus in faith and putting our trust and our hope in Him to be the Lord of our lives. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not, ju- not justified by the works of the law. So works of the law, they won't get you into Christ Jesus, but faith in Jesus Christ. Notice, faith in Jesus Christ. Even we who have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, for by works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. We get in Christ through believing in Christ and accepting the work of Christ, Him atoning for our sins, Him taking that wrath through Him, do us upon Himself, upon the cross, and defeating death and sin when He rose from the grave. We get in through faith in Him. Galatians 3.26, For you're all sons of God, notice, through faith in Christ Jesus. And what's he saying here? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who put faith in Him. Those that call on Him. Those that absolutely receive Him as their Lord and Savior. And why is that the case? We'll go back to a verse we look at so often. It's so much, it's so truthful. It's, there's, there's so much in just a few words. Second Corinthians 5.21 He made Him who knew no sin to be sent for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So Christ, again, lived that sinless life. He knew no sin, but in becoming sin for us, He took that wrath to us upon Himself. He took that judgment to us upon Himself. And praise God, because He was without sin, death couldn't hold Him. That again, through Him now, through being in Him, we are now the righteousness of God. Notice again there in that text, Not in ourselves, but in Him. We're in right standing with God in Him, in the Lord, through faith in Him, through believing in Him. Do you believe in Him this morning? Can you say amen to that? Do you have faith in Him this morning? Can you say amen to that? Look at count your blessings. Let's rejoice in our God. Now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And I love it. I love the word now. Now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Not, well, down the road or we'll see how it works out. But no, but now. This is an assurance of our faith. It's an assurance as we've truly called upon Christ. That day you truly called upon Christ when there was real repentance, there was real faith. Guess what? There was real salvation. That right now, right now, right now as we are out here this morning in this beautiful garden, Right now, there is no condemnation. Are you in Christ again? There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Not because of the works of the law. Not because of us. And if you're mixing that in at all, you're, you, are, you are trusting in a false gospel. The Apostle Paul said, look at it myself. I'm a miserable man. I'm a deplorable. I'm a wretch. But in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. My debt's been paid. I'm seen forgiven. I'm seen washed. I'm no longer under the law that damns me. He'll reiterate that again as he's reiterated throughout the book here in a minute. 
but I'm no longer under the law that damns me. Now I'm under the grace of God that has saved me, the shed blood of the Lord that has washed me, that has made me right. Jesus made this very clear in John 3, 16. Paul's teaching the doctrine of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, they gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Or you could say, is not under condemnation, but has eternal life. For God did not send in his world, his son or the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then notice here, it's this simple verse 18. Who believes in him is not condemned. Hear these truths this morning. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. And this is condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We need to stand in this truth. We need to stand in this truth because, listen, the doctrine of our salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the simplicity of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Him alone, it oftentimes gets attacked by the enemy of our soul, does it not? Have you ever had those seasons or those days or those times when you feel condemned in your heart? Where you hear the whispers of the devil saying, look at Look at you, deplorable. You're going to hell for sure. You're condemned. He comes along with those lies. He wants to work against, again, the finished work of the cross and again against the message of the gospel and of salvation. There are other times when our own heart condemns us. Our own mind tells us there's no hope for you. Look, at in all the years of pastoring, I've had to counsel so many people on this subject matter that I'm confident even this morning in this gathering as I throw this out. Have you ever come to that place where you feel this way or you're thinking like this or you're in the midst of this struggle? I know there's more than one that's been there in that place, if not all of us at one time or another being in that place where he comes along with those lies. You need to know that when you're in Christ Jesus, you have faith in the Lord, and you hear those voices saying, you're condemned, you're damned to hell, there's no hope for you. That's not just an assault on you and Christ. That's an assault on the Lord Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross, because we're either condemned or we're not. And in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. I love 1 John 3.20. For if our heart condemns us, If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So even, again, when our own heart, when we forget about the finished work, when we get our eyes off Jesus, we're in that place where, again, we're not really standing in the truth of the gospel. Maybe it's in the midst of a struggle. Maybe it's just in the midst of you're having a real Romans 7 moment where you're like, wretched man that I am, I fail. You're being honest before God even and saying, man, I am a stinking, filthy sinner. And then your heart condemns you. And then the devil jumps in who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, you are. You're going to hell. God is greater than our heart. And the finished work of the cross is greater than our heart. And again, God knows all things. God knows those that are His. And hear this this morning. We have to combat these lies of the devil. Again, there's a lot of folks. I lived a lot of years of my life as a younger man under this cloud 
that I was condemned when in truth I had faith in the Lord and I had salvation. And I'll tell you, it drove me. It was, it was a lie that drove me to misery. It was a lie that, you know, drove me. And, and again, it was me doing what I did. But I found the more that I sin, the less that I hear those voices saying, you're condemned, believe it or not, because the devil did not want me walking in truth. And it was finally when I came to that point of going, look, at, I got to get right. I got to get my mind right with God. I got to get the word of God feeling almost like a prisoner in those legal books trying to find a way out of jail. But here's the thing. The door was already open. All I needed to do was walk out because my faith was in the Lord and there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And we need to learn to take those thoughts that come against the finished work of the cross and who we are in Christ. And we need to learn to punish those thoughts And the way we do that is through these truths we're looking at this morning. That there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That absolutely, whoever believes in him is not condemned. This is spiritual warfare. We're going to get talking about the mind here in a moment. But in 2 Corinthians 10.3, such a valuable passage when it comes to spiritual warfare And even combating the lies of the devil when he says you're condemned when in truth in Christ Jesus, you're not condemned. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And maybe this morning you're in Christ Jesus, but there's a stronghold. There's a, you know, a devil that just keeps whispering, you're condemned, you're condemned, you're condemned. And it's almost as if his lie has as much weight as the truth of God's word. And that should not be the case. How do we battle that? Well, listen, we got weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down those lies, pulling down those strongholds. Notice verse five, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So again, you're in Christ, you've trusted in Christ. And then that lie comes along, you're condemned, you're damned, you're again, you're you're going to spend eternity in hell. How do I combat that? How about by just starting by taking that thought captive and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That puts that lie down. You say, I am in Christ Jesus. I've called on the Lord. Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me tell you this morning, there's power in the word of God. There's power in the word of God to put down the lies of the devil. How about this? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Those things are gone. Those things are covered by the blood. I am in Christ. Christ has taken the wrath through me. I am now no longer under condemnation. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, we got to stand in these truths. We need to put down these lies. I'll tell you a glorious verse that really helped me in the days that I wrestled with this and struggled with this was Jude 24. Because it puts it all back on the Lord where it belongs. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. 
to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. And I'll tell you, when that devil would come in and say, you're condemned, you're going to hell, there's no hope for you. Something that really put him down and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm in God's hands. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a wretch. I know I have no hope in me, but I've called on the name of the Lord. And listen, the Lord who died for me is able to keep me. Put the emphasis on God. Put the emphasis on the work of the cross. Be like Paul who says, I'm a wretched man. Who can deliver me? Oh, I know who can. God can. Jesus Christ can. Jesus Christ has. And Jesus Christ will. Let's stand in this truth. Let's never waver from it. Now listen, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But part of what comes with grace is conviction that will come from the word of God. Conviction that will come from the spirit of God. When we're not walking in the newness of life, God's called us to walk in. Because remember the life the Lord now lives, he lives unto God. The life we're to live, we're to live unto God. There's a big difference between condemnation and conviction. To condemn, it means, again, to be judged and damned to hell. That is not us. Conviction, though, it means to reprove, to rebuke, to admonish. That's a good thing. Now, don't confuse condemnation with conviction. There's a big difference between the two of them. Look, at the only thing they have in common is they both start with the, word, the letter C. That's about it. They're completely different because we want to be in a place where we combat condemnation. But we also want to be in the place where we respond to conviction. Where we recognize, yes, there's no condemnation. Those those are in Christ Jesus that, that don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Look at my my relationship with God didn't start and end at the cross. It started at the cross. That's where it begins. And then it continues in the spirit. It continues now walking in a life lived under the Lord. And in that, listen, we inherit, we become children, sons and daughters of God. We get adopted in when we put faith in Christ Jesus. And part of that grace is God working in our life in a glorious way to correct us, to redirect us, to instruct us. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. To convict, it means to reprove. It means to rebuke. It means to admonish. It means to chasten. God wants what's best for you. And when his kids begin to stray off, they get their minds just set on the fleshly things. They're thinking like the world. They're manifesting the works of the flesh in their life, not the works of the Spirit of God and the fruits of the Spirit. You better believe God's going to come in and admonish you. And that's something we should say, thank you, Lord, for doing that. That's evidence that I have a heavenly father who loves me. Look, there should be times when we're in the word where we get convicted. We get rebuked where we get admonished. And we need to take that admonishment and knowing that's not God condemning his saints. That's God telling his saints. Come and walk what I have for you because it's so much better. It is the life of life and peace versus a life of death. Second Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. And notice, convince, rebuke. Rebuke, convict. They go hand in hand. Exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. And then later in this book, we're even told to admonish one another at Romans 15, 14. And so there's a big difference between condemnation and conviction. Look at we combat condemnation in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. But when true conviction comes through the word of God, when you get stung in the preaching of the scriptures or in your devotions, don't say, oh, that's condemnation. No, that's conviction because God wants to see me abounding in him, walking in life, walking in peace, walking as a light to this world. There's a big, giant difference between the two. They don't even belong in the same category. And notice what he says again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Listen, your walk, it's how you live. It's what you pursue. It's what you think on. It's who you walk with. It's the fruits of your life. It's your pursuits and so forth. And we rejoice, don't we, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We rejoice in that. And those that are in Christ Jesus, listen, they're called to walk with Christ Jesus in the Spirit of God. It's a package deal. Look, at Christ died for our sins. He rose from the grave. And as we learned recently, the life He lives, He lives now unto the Father. And when I say, Lord, come and save me, Come and wash me. That's not meant to be an emergency prayer to save me from hell. Now I'll do as I will. That's no, Jesus, be my Lord, not just in eternity, but be my Lord right now. I want to walk with you right now. I want to live for you right now. I don't want to walk in the flesh. I want to walk in the spirit. I don't want to walk in the ways of this world. I don't want to walk according to the God of this age. I want to walk according to the call that you have on me. Listen, it's abundant life. It really is. It's where life is found. We need to recognize who we are in the Lord. First, we look at often, 1 John 5, 19. We know we're of God. Well, if we're of God, let's walk with God, amen? If we're not under condemnation, let's not walk like men and women under condemnation. Let's walk like men and women that have received salvation we know we're of god and then notice the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one i don't want to walk under the sway of the wicked one he comes to steal kill and destroy he offers temporary pleasures that end in death in romans 6 10 for the death he died he died to sin once for all But the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's really, you know what, taking what Christ did and what Christ is doing and then showing us who we are, what happened when we got saved and what we should be doing. Christ died for our sins. He rose from the grave. We put our faith in him. We're saved. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. The life he lives, he lives now under the God. And so the life we live, if we're in Christ Jesus, is a life to be lived <coughs> unto 
God Almighty. Reckoning ourselves to him. And listen, this is where some people really need to be truthful with God. There's a whole lot of people there in Christianum, a whole lot of people out there in the world. And I give scriptures, I can give scriptures to back this up. I, I can see it. I don't know hearts of people, but you can see it. People saying, I want to be saved. I don't want condemnation. Boy, who wants, no one wants that, right? No one wants that. Though I did hear a quote yesterday from Desmond Tutu, who died recently, who said, if God doesn't embrace homosexuality and that's not in heaven, I don't want to go there. So he he partook of condemnation by his own will. But there's a lot of people that say, I don't want to I want to be saved, but I don't want to walk with God. I want to walk according to my own path. That's not the call of a Christian. Again, if we're going to accept his death and resurrection, save me, Lord. What comes with that is also the life that he lives now unto God the Father, the life that we're to live now unto God the Father. And make no mistake, you won't get robbed living a life unto God the Father. That's where life is found. It absolutely is. But so much of modern Christianum wants to be saved, but they don't want to walk with God. They don't want a life of holiness. They're the Laodicean church that's neither hot nor cold. They mix their opinion with God's word, having their opinion triumph, wanting just to seek fleshly things. And the Lord says to that church, you're neither hot nor cold. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. And look, at this is where we got to do real business with God. These are eternal matters at stake here. The Lord himself said in Luke 9, 23, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And then in James 2, 19, you believe there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know a foolish man the faith without works is dead? Again, we're in Christ Jesus through faith in Christ Jesus. But do you really have faith in Christ Jesus? And a mark that you have real faith in Christ Jesus is that you live a life for Christ Jesus. You live a life. And and again, it's that life like Paul described. Look, there's times I do the very thing that I hate. But in my inward man, I want to serve God. And when those in Christ Jesus get to that place where they don't want to serve God, guess what? God, their heavenly father, brings correction to them very swiftly. And that, again, is another great gift of his grace. Verse two, he says, the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so Paul, again, reiterates and explains once again how there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life of Christ. What was that law? It was that Christ was tempted in every way, yet he didn't sin. He defeated the law, sin, death, Satan, and hell. And that's freed me as I put my faith in Christ Jesus. That frees me from the law of sin and death. And what's the law of sin and death? I'm a sinner and my sin brings death. My sin has brought 
condemnation. I have sinned, therefore I'm dead in that I cannot save myself, and I will die to the second death of eternity in hell. But the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free. He's made me free. Because he didn't sin. And became sin for me. And he took that wrath to me. And he defeated it when he rose from the grave. And if you guys notice here in Romans, Paul just keeps hammering this truth over and over and over again. You know why he does that? Because people don't get it. There's so many pastors that don't get this. They don't get the finished work of the cross whatsoever. If they got it, they wouldn't add works to it, which so oftentimes happens. Verse 3 says, for, the, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Again, He sent the law, but the law was weak to save. The law can't save anybody. The law shows us instead what? We need a Savior. We read in the last chapter how the law itself stirs up rebellion in our flesh. The law comes and our flesh says, how can I break that law? The law came so that we would see that we are exceedingly sinful. The law can't save anybody, so don't ever tack on to the means of your salvation, Jesus plus the law. It's a false gospel. It's Jesus and Jesus only that saves us. The law is weak for saving. It doesn't have the power to save. But God in His goodness brought the power to save. He sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus took on the form of a man. Why? For the account of sin. Or to get sin off of our account to get our debt paid so that our account could be sin free. So we would have no debt whatsoever. Again, in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation because our account is paid. Again, the wages of our sin is death. That's what we get for sinning. You know what? You get a wage for doing things. The wage you get for sinning, the wage I got was death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And hear this this morning. There's no option B. It's Him and Him alone. There's salvation. As He Himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But listen, if you say, I think the law can save, and I think my own good deeds can save. Look at, hear this this morning. There's no payment plan here on earth to get rid of your sin through doing of the law, and there's no payment plan in purgatory. As the Roman Catholic Church says, well, you go to purgatory and you'll pay for your sins. Listen, if you want to try to pay for your sins, you know what you get as a result of that? You don't get your sins paid off. You know what you get? You get more debt because you think you can pay your sins off. Romans 4, 3. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace. Notice, but as debt. They're counted as debt. So he condemns sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is simple. The law is fulfilled in us through Jesus Christ who has fulfilled the law. You look at that law and you're like, oh man, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I'm damned. I'm condemned because I didn't do that. I can't keep this. 
Jesus kept it. Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus condemned sin. Jesus kept the righteous requirements of the law so that that could be fulfilled in us through faith in him. And now in Christ, we're those people that don't walk according to the flesh, but we walk according to the spirit. Us in Christ. Are you in Christ? Look, at if we're in Christ, an evidence of that is we don't walk to the flesh, but we walk in the spirit. Again, we're saved not only into eternal life, but we're saved unto a life lived unto God here in this life. And some say, well, I want to be saved, but I don't want to live a life unto God. Then you got to ask the question, is Jesus truly your Lord? I know some people don't want to hear that. But listen, this is not being said to bring condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This is a call for those not in Christ to get saved, to really put faith in Christ, to ask the question, is he really my Lord? Or is he my insurance policy? Again, let me tell you this morning, this life in the spirit, it's better than the life of the flesh. Galatians 5 brings such a, Clear picture of the two. Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand that I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Or those who willingly or willfully walk in those things won't inherit the kingdom of God. Does that sound like a lovely life lived? That's what the flesh brings forth. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Why? Because Christ has fulfilled the law. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Look at all of us in Christ this morning should be saying, I want to walk in the Spirit because it's the walk that I've been saved unto as well as the place where life is found. He says there in a minute, the life of the flesh is death the life and the spirit is life in peace. Do you want that this morning? Can you say amen to that? Hear this. This is a great truth. You want help in walking in the spirit? I sure do because I can identify with Paul. There's times that I do the very thing that I hate. Much of your walk is dictated by what goes on in your mind. Much of your mindset will, deti- will, will you know, dictate much of your walk. What, are, what is your mind set on? What are you putting before your mind? What are you feeding your mind? Your mind, your heart, your soul all being connected there. What are you feeding your heart and your mind? What do you think about? Now, I know there's practical things we got to think about and so forth. You don't want to go to work and not think about what you're doing there. What do you think? I'm just thinking about God, you know. No, you got to think and do your work unto God is the key. (laughs) 
Seek first the kingdom of God in all that we do. We ask, how am I glorifying God and what I'm doing? Lord, how can I put you first in what I'm doing? This is very practical. But again, it goes back to the truth we've been seeing. What you sponge in is what's going to come out. What you're putting in your mind, what you're thinking on, is going to have an incredible influence on your life, whether you walk in the flesh or walk in the Spirit. We saw there in Romans 6.16, Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. And if we just present ourselves continually to a world under the sway of the wicked one, it's not going to produce a spirit-led life. It's going to produce a life that is lived in the flesh, that looks like the world. Listen, those outside of Christ, they just set their minds on earthly things. Philippians 3.18 Many walk of whom I told you often and now even tell you weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Notice here, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, and then notice, who set their mind on earthly things. I won't read it. We saw it last week there in Matthew 8. Jesus was talking about going to the cross. To make that way for there to be no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And Peter turns around and rebukes him. Forbid it, Lord. I won't allow you to do that. And the Lord says, get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What was Peter mindful of? He wanted an earthly king for an earthly kingdom. His mind was set on fleshly things. This goes back to Romans 1. Romans 1 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they were thankful, but they came futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. This world is marked by futile thoughts and foolish hearts that are darkened. Do we want that to influence us? Do we want to be led by God haters? Do we want to say, what do the God haters have to say? That's who I want to influence me. Or do we want to say, I want to be influenced by the word of God, by the spirit of God, by the things of God, by the people of God, by the things God has called me to walk in. Look, if your mind's fixed on the world's ways, thoughts, entertainments, pleasures, perversions, doctrines, philosophies, pursuits, aimless conducts on the world's bitterness, the world's pride, the world's self-promotion, so on and so forth. It's going to produce not only a fleshly walk, but hear this, a wasted life when we have the grace of God to live a life unto the glory of God. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God's not mocked. It's all verse saying the same thing. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If he sows to his flesh, he'll reap of the flesh corruption. If he sows to the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Look at don't be deceived in this. Don't mock God. Don't think you're the exception. Don't think that you can go all day long just inundating your mind with the things of the world, the songs of the world, the philosophies of the world, the entertainments of the world, the thoughts of the world, the ideas of education that come from the world and so forth, and it not have an effect on you. You're like, but wait a minute, there's no condemnation. I'm free to do whatever I want. If you're in Christ, you are. But that's what you want to do? 
I don't want to do that anymore. I've done that enough. This is where we should get angry and say, I don't want to be influenced by God-haters. I want to be influenced by God, by the Lord. See, we've been called to have our minds fixed on the Lord, the things of the Spirit, the things of God, the Word of God, the worship of God, prayer to God, the pursuit of God, where we're taking inventory of our lives, and we're saying, what would God have me to do in this matter? Would God have me to be bitter? That's what the world says. Or would God have me to forgive? Would God have me to pursue my self-interest? Or would God have me to pursue the interest of others and consider them more important than myself? Would God have me to feed my flesh all day just being amused? Or would God have me to be amused? A muse, two different words there, thinking on the things of God. This is so foreign to us because we're a culture that's just inundated with the voices of the world. Have you noticed that? Just everywhere you turn, this is part of that beast system to get us to be a fleshly, weak, inept church. Colossians 3.1 If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Are you raised with Christ? Are you in that place where you're like, There's no condemnation. I'm raised with Christ. Can you say amen to that? He says, then seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Listen, this is glorious. This is liberating. This is not a killjoy this morning. This is glorious. Not only are we saved and not condemned in Christ, we have the privilege now to walk with Christ. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. For you died and your life was hidden in Christ Jesus. It's reiterated over and over and over again. Look, at to walk in the Spirit means to be walking under the governing authority of God's Word. It means we take our thought captives throughout the day. What would God have me to do? How would God want me to respond? Oh man, I'm tempted to do this. Let me stand in the truth of Scripture. Walking in the Spirit means to walk under the governing authority of God's Word. It does not mean seeking an experience on Sunday and sin Monday through Saturday. Because there's a whole lot of people, they do as they will, and then the altar come calls, oh, fill me with the Spirit of God, and then they go do what they want to do. That is not a life in the Spirit. On one hand, speaking in tongues. On the other hand, gossiping continually is not walking in the Spirit of God. It's a life governed by the word of God. That's honest with God. That wants to grow in God. That even brings life struggles and so forth before God. Listen, God welcomes that. God rejoices in that. God remembers we're but dust. If you need more convincing, notice verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Look at if I have to choose between death and life and peace. I think I'm going to choose life and peace. Anyone else here this morning? Any, any, anyone on the life and peace bandwagon? <laughs> and this is where some would say, but walking in the flesh, to be carnally minded, to be entertained and influenced by a world under the sway of the wicked one is far more fun than walking in the spirit. And listen, there's truth in that there is 
fun found walking in the flesh. But hear this. It will soon turn to death in your soul. Why is our nation dying right now? It's a fleshly nation. It just wants to be consumed with carnality. Everything's carnality. Everything's about the flesh. It's in the commercials. It's in the shows. It's in the music. It's in the movies. It's in the politicking. It's all about the flesh. With very few exceptions. Everyone just seeking to appease their fleshly members and it's brought the death of the soul of America. Take around and look. Do we want to follow in this way? I don't want to live like that. It brings the death of your soul. Proverbs 5.3 The lips of an immoral, an immoral woman drip honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil. Again, the flesh says that's fun. Notice verse 4. But in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path, her ways are unstable. You do not know them. That's it. That's the walk of the flesh versus the walk of the Spirit. Listen, there's true deep peace walking in the Spirit and being spiritually minded. Hebrews 9, 14, how much shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Look, there's nothing more valuable than a clear conscience. Not just talking about not being under condemnation in Christ, being saved positionally, but practically walking with the Lord. Walking, you know what, again, there's ups, there's downs, but in honesty with God, being true with God, there could be a clear conscience in that. There's a great peace in that. Jesus talks about the storms of life that come and how they come on everyone. And the house built on the sand falls. It's those that shun the word. The house of those built on the rock, which is those that hears the word and act on it. It stands. There's a great peace in that. There's a great peace to know, listen, in all the storms in the world. And listen, it's stormy out there, is is it not? That my house will stand because I am in Christ Jesus. There's a great peace found in Psalm 56.3. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And God, I will praise his word. And God, I have put my trust. I will not fear What can flesh do to me? I'm in God's hands. Finally, seven and eight. Because the carnal mind is enmity or it's at war against God. For it's not subject to the law of God. Notice here, nor indeed can be. That's huge in this. So then those who are the flesh cannot please God. Again, the carnal mind fixated on fleshly pursuits, thinking on the things of the world wanted to be influenced by the world, it's at war with God. It's not yielded to God, and it cannot be yielded to God, and none of us are the exception. Paul just talked about that in Romans 7. He says, my flesh does the thing that that I hate. It's it's opposed to God. And so if we're just going to feed that flesh, feed that flesh, it won't yield to God. Look, it'll be manifest in different ways. 
Some people you'll be able to see are really clear, like that's ugly. Other people, it's just all on the inside of them. They're just teeming with pride and bitterness and self-promotion and so forth. They want to be acknowledged by man versus saying, I just want to be acknowledged by the Lord. It's at war with God. I don't want to be at war with God. I want to walk with peace with God. I want to walk with unity with God. Look, at my flesh is not subjected to the law of God, and if I feed it, there's going to be pure ugliness that comes out of that. Again, Paul said in Romans 7, 18, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. So if I feed that nothing where nothing good dwells, what's going to come out of that? It ain't going to be the fruits of the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you that much. So then those who are the flesh cannot please God. And this is where we're talking about a practical walk. That word please, it means to walk in agreement with God. Yes, positionally, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now let's walk in agreement with God. And if you just want to feed the flesh, pursue the flesh, be influenced by the world and so forth, you're not going to be able to walk in agreement with God. It's just impossible. It absolutely is. Don't fool yourself in thinking, well, God walks in my fleshly pursuits and mindsets when really he's outside of the door of those things knocking, saying, hey, why don't you come and dine with me? Here he is with this glorious meal laid out for us. Meanwhile, in the flesh, we're dumpster diving over here. I found a half-eaten Twinkie, you know. Maybe you're saying, what do I do? I got a struggle here. Boy, we all do. But what do I do? Someone say, you cast out the demons. No, you crucify the flesh is what you do. A real mark of carnal Christianity is always to blame the devil. You get these devils out of these demons out of there. Look, if you walk in the flesh, you're opening the door. You're going to rebuke those devils. They're going to come right back. Look, at you know how you get rid of those devils? You submit to God. And you say, we got to crucify the flesh. Recently, someone called me about someone struggling. Oh, we need to cast out the devil. I'm like, bro, you can't cast out the flesh. You got to crucify that. And until you want to crucify the flesh, you can cast those devils out all day. Guess what? They're just going to come back in through the back door. Not saying there's not a place to cast out devils, because there is in Jesus' name. But it better be accompanied with crucifying the flesh. Galatians 5.24, those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if this is where we're honest, we'll say, I can't. But praise God, he can. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's look to the Lord. Let's cry out to the Lord. Let's get God's word before us. Let's walk in the liberty that we have. Let's use the grace and freedom we have to glorify God with our lives. Can we say amen to that this morning? Well, Heavenly Father, we glorify you. We praise you. We give you honor. We just thank you for your great goodness to us. Thank you for this beautiful morning, God. Thank you for time and the scriptures. What a glorious passage here. Let us take it to heart, God. Let us think on these things and consider them. 
Let us rejoice that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And God, in that, let us be found pursuing Christ Jesus on a daily basis. Help us in our shortcomings, God. Help us break these strongholds, God, and absolutely crucify that old man, Lord. Let us yield to you. Renew our minds, God, to really know where life is found. Lord, all of us got wrestlings and strugglings. We're here saying, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Can we say amen to that? And if you're here today and you're not in Christ Jesus, you need to call on his name. Ask him to save you, wash you, to be your Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You are whoever. You are the anyone talked about in the Bible. That's you. Call on Jesus. Call on him. He'll meet you where you're at. We bless and praise you, God. Thank you for the food that's been made over there. Blessed as we partake of it. And the rest of this day, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And we sit together. Amen. Hey, guys, you can go right down the ramp and wrap around. There's food. Hang out. We got plenty of time before the next service. God bless you and the Lord.